From the hallowed hallways of Shed High School, from WSHDLP Eastport, this is Round the World with your host, Cracklin' Jane from Eastport, Maine. Stay tuned for historical 78 RPM recordings from around the world. So, you thought you'd take just one more helping of mashed potatoes. It's Thanksgiving, you said. Mom made four different pies. She'd feel insulted if any of them were not completely demolished. So you had four pieces of pie just to be polite. Yes, you have no one to blame but yourself. You were so full that once you laid down on the sofa, you couldn't get up to change the radio station, and you missed your favorite WSHDLP eSport program, Blues for Your Pocket with Catherine. That's how you wound up here in Thanksgiving rehab. The freezing hayloft dormitory. The farm chores. You break the skim of ice in the watering trough to wash up. All of you overeaters, pitchforking hay down to the animals, milking cows, feeding the chickens and pigs, and then finally lining up at the big cauldron of plain oatmeal. Well, you've done your chores. Now it's time to dance those pounds away. To the calling of Margot Mayo with the American Square Dance Group. Here is Turkey Buzzard, Sugar in the Gourd. Choose a partner and get in formation. Let's everybody get on the floor and get ready to dance some more. All joint hands circle around to the left. What I say and go back the other way Swing your corner Now swing your owner Straighten up your face and everybody back into place Form a ring and circle left Ladies to the center and form a ring, gents on the outside. Do the same thing. Ladies circle left, gents to the right. And keep your gal in sight. The ladies stop, gents go back the other way. Now meet your honey. And the ladies bow, the gents know how. Circle left. The ladies bow once more and gents go under. And a circle left and swing like thunder.
Boil the Cabbage Down. That was Art Clark. Before that, Margot Mayo called Turkey Buzzard and Sugar in the Gourd. Two square dances that remind you of why you're here now in Thanksgiving rehab. You went too hog wild with the turkey and yams and apple crisp. Well, you're in the right place to get back to normal. You're going to dance it all away in conjunction with a Spartan lifestyle of farm chores and a diet of oatmeal. Now for some freestyle dancing. Cousin Joe Maphis with Sunshine Sue and her rangers are here with Barn Dance Boogie.
That was Whirlpool Hoedown, courtesy of Johnny Balmer's Grand Canyon Boys. Before that, you pranced around to Barn Dance Boogie, featuring Cousin Joe Maphis with Sunshine Sue and her rangers. Treat yourself to a nice, cool glass of plain water. You had enough fancy drinks at Thanksgiving. Remember, you're here to recover from your previous excesses. Now, it's time to select another dance partner for a French-Canadian square dance. You say you slept through French class in school? Well, just remember, droit means right and gauche means left, and pas means step. So good luck. Here is Real de Forgeron, Tommy Duchesne et ses Chevaliers de Folklore.
was Roy Sexton and his Arizona Hoedowners with Saturday Night Breakdown. This was preceded by Tommy Duchesne et ses Chevaliers de Folklore, who gave us Real de Faugeron, a French-Canadian square dance. Shake a leg till you burn off all the turkey legs you chopped down on at Thanksgiving. Next, we ask that you frolic, frisk, cavort, and caper to two family-sanitized versions of the 1843 classic Old Dan Tucker. We'll hear Burl Ives in 1945, but first, Uncle Dave Macon from 1925. Now, folks, I'm going to give you a little of Old Dan Tucker, containing more heterogeneous, constant policy, double flavor, and unknown quality than usual.
Pavillon, Stomp Hoedown, Bob Shorty Rogers, and the Cumberland Mountaineers. Before that, two versions of Old Dan Tucker. First we heard Uncle Dave Macon from 1925, then Burl Ives from 1945. You are listening to WSHDLP Eastport. This is Round the World with Cracklin' Jane. We're broadcasting from Thanksgiving Rehab, where many of you have wound up after going overboard on stuffing, green bean casserole, apple crisp. You chowed down in a buckle-busting amount of grub. You thought your stomach would rupture and were rendered immobile on the couch, so that now you find yourself in a strict, austere, and abstemious environment. Plain oatmeal and water, farm chores, and lots and lots of square dancing. Find yourself another partner. It's time for Bob Van Antwerp with Rusty's Riders, who will call out the square-wheeled wagon. Have a little hoedown, Russ. Frank? Ray? Carl? Everybody bow and swing around and around with the pretty little thing. Walk all around you, call girl. Come back home and see you saw the pretty little girl. Now, middle left to the old left hand, a partner, right, a right, a left hand, a right, a left, go round, a ring, right, a left hand, with a pretty little thing, promenade, I'm a two by two, take a little walk like you always do. Ten couples bow and swing, go round, a man, with a pretty little thing, go forward, up and back to the ring. Now forward again, the pass through, spent that ring, go round two, and a hook on the ends, and a make a line, and a forward back, you do and fine, forward again, the pass through, ends cross over, meet your bow, and everybody do puzzle with a partner left in the corner, right, and a partner left in the pick up the corner, pretty little corner, promenade, I'm a two by two, take a little walk like you always do. Now the head couples bow and swing, go forward, up and back to the ring, and a forward again, a pass through, spit that ring, go round two, and a hook on the end, and a make a line, forward, back, you do, and find, and a forward again, a pass through, ends cross over, meet your bow, and everybody don't pass with the partner left in the corner by the right, and a partner left in the pick up the corner, pretty little corner, promenade round that ring, promenade around with a pretty little thing. Then out of middle left for a daisy chain, go right and left. Turn back and get in the corner, girl, with the right alaman. A left and a right and turn back in the corner, girl, with the left alaman. A right and left and turn back in the corner, girl, with the right alaman. And a left and a right in the promenade home, take a little walk, go round that ring, and take a little walk with a pretty little thing. Now side couples bow and swing, go forward, up and back to the ring, forward again, the pass through, split that ring, go round two, and a hook on the ends, and a make a line, forward, up and back that way, forward again, the pass through, ends, cross over, meet your bow, and everybody go pass with the partner left, the corner by the right, partner left, and you pick up the corner, pretty little corner, promenade, take a little walk with the pretty little thing, and promenade back home again. The side couples bow and swing, go forward, up and back to the ring, forward again, the pass through, split that ring, go round two, and the hook on the ends, and the make a line, forward, back, you do fine, the forward again, the pass through, ends cross over, meet your bow, and everybody do puzzle with the partner left, the corner by the right, partner by the left, and you pick up the corner, pretty little corner, from when you take a little walk, go round that ring, you take a little walk with a pretty little thing. Walk all around. 
that you caught a girl and they come back home at a seesaw, the fiddle diddle girl. Then Alan and left to the old left hand, a partner by the by the left with Tom, Dick, and the Harry Jack. You meet your gal and you walk by. That's up the river, run around the bed, and you're gonna meet your gal, turn back again. Till you're gonna find your honey, gonna find your maid. Take a little walk, you promenade, promenade, number two by two, take a little walk like you won't be new. Now you're home and now you swing, round around with a fertile little thing. So bow, take your part in this corner to the right-hand lady on the right of you. So away with the pretty girl, cause that tall and a keen old jam, that's it, that's all. Clarinet Polka, in the definitive Whoopi John Polka Band version from 1938. Remember, gents, 
correct polka deportment requires that the lady's feet never touch the ground. Before that, we executed another square dance, the Square Wheeled Wagon, led by Bob Van Antwerp with Rusty's Riders. Now, grab another partner. It's time for a Yiddish square dance called by Mickey Katz. Thank you. 
The Northwest Wranglers just gave us the crooked stovepipe. A square dance with no collar, so it was every couple for themselves. We remind you that you're here to recover from the excesses of Thanksgiving. For the foreseeable future, there will be no soda pop for you, just plain Adam's Ale, a.k.a. water. We hope you like plain oatmeal, because there's a big cauldron of it here to fuel all the square dancing you'll need to do to get back to normal. Speaking of which, how about a jazz square dance? Wingy Manone and his Go Group are here to provide just such a thing, the round square dance. Set to go. Now all you cats go form a ring. With these new lyrics, you gotta swing. Now you see that man coming down the hall. He's gonna swing his partner and have a ball. He likes him fat, and he likes him tall. As a matter of fact, he likes them all. Now the lady goes left, and the jets go right. They'll soon be lost and out of sight. Die for the oyster, die for the clam. Watch out for that gal with the pretty dam. Now you meet your partner in Promenade 5. Promenade 5 till you learn to jive. They show boots, get solid hip. For this dance will make you flip. Now meet your partner and promenade eight. Promenade eight till you get it straight. Now you got it. Grab your mate, come on, Joe, or you'll be late. Boy, there goes that big fat lady dancing around. Ain't she pretty? Hi, Slim. Don't step on that lady's feet, man. Thank you. 
That was Roy Acuff and his Smoky Mountain Boys with Bully of the Town. This was preceded by the round square dance provided by Winji Manone and his Go Group. The barn was freezing when we started, and now it's getting hot in here. I wonder how the animals down below are reacting to all the hoofing going on up here in the loft. Now guzzle down another tall glass of water before the last two dances, starting with the Hoosier Hotshots Barn Dance Polka. Left and a lady, see saw around you, tall, it's the alley man left that car. 
Pony girl, promenade your own little girl. Take that lady, go round the world, promenade around the ring. When you get back home, it's first and third. Bow to your girl and you give her a swing. Lead out to the right of the ring and circle four, and you will see he'll leave her right where she be. Standing in that line of three, go forward six and back you go forward again. Hook a left elbow, ladies dive away down low, out to the side, there they go. Make that line and you make it go forward, up and back you know. Forward again, hook a left elbow and the ladies dive away down low, out to the side, there they go. Make that line and make it go forward, up and back you know. Forward again with a left elbow and the ladies dive about three times. Step right out and make that line, forward and back you're going fine. Forward again, you move that line, elbow hook and turn that line and the ladies dive about three times. Out to the side, there it is, let's circle and go round the ring, circle left, go round the ring, all around your left hand lady, seesaw around your tall, hit the alley man left, that old left hand, and here we go, right to left grand, right and left around the ring, and get right back with your own little girl, take her home, I didn't look, she may be pretty, she's a darn good cook, take that lady, go round the ring. Now when you're home again, it's two and four, balance and swing. Lead out to the right of the ring, circle four, you will see. He'll leave that gal right where she be, standing in that line of three. Forward and back again you go, forward again, a hook a left elbow, and the ladies dive away down low. Out to the side, there they go, and you make that line and make it go. Forward and back again you go, forward again, a hook a left elbow, and the ladies dive way down low. Out to the side, there they go, make that line line and make it go forward and back you move that line forward again move that line elbow hook and the ladies dive ladies dive about three times there's your line let's make it go forward and back again you go forward again a hook a left elbow and the ladies dive way down under out to the side let's dance like thunder circle left around that ring circle left and here we go does it do and a little old do like a chicken in the red pan back in that dough take that gal go round the town with that a high foot up and that little one down promenade till you're home again now that you're home again you honor the corner on the side of the hall honor your partner that's all that was joe lewis and his j bar l square dance boys with this hour's last square dance the denver wagon wheel this was preceded by the barn dance polka featuring the hoosier hotshots and that about rolls up the square dance portion of Round the World today. You landed yourself in Thanksgiving rehab. A Spartan environment of the simplest food and water, but plenty of square dancing, including Western, French-Canadian, Yiddish, and jazz versions, along with opportunities for some freeform capering. You're listening to WSHDLP Eastport. This is Round the World with Cracklin' Jane. Next year, maybe you'll show some greater restraint at the Thanksgiving table. Now, everyone gather around the big bonfire as we hear a gripping tale from the files of the Texas Rangers, the square dance case. So let's listen. The National Broadcasting Company presents Joel McRae in Tales of the Texas Rangers. Tonight, transcribed from Hollywood, another authentic reenactment of a case from the files of the Texas Rangers. Tales of the 
the Texas Rangers, starring Joel McRae as Ranger Jace Pearson. Texas, more than 260,000 square miles. And 50 men who make up the most famous and oldest law enforcement body in North America. the files of the Texas Rangers come these stories based on fact. Only names, dates, and places are fictitious for obvious reasons. The events themselves are a matter of record. Case for tonight, Square Dance. It is 9.50 p.m. Saturday night, October 14th, 1949. There is a square dance in progress at the fun spot, a barn-like dance hall on the outskirts of Bankerville in West Texas. Mrs. Mort Rogers, a rancher's wife, is seated in a corner, waiting for her husband to return with some soda pop. She looks up as a stranger approaches. Like I found me a pretty old wallflower. How come you ain't dancing, man? Reckon I'm a little out of breath from the last one. My husband went to fetch me some soda pop. Good. While he's fetching it, you and me can dance. Not a couple needing that square over there. Come on. No, uh, no, thank you. But I, I, I'd rather wait for him. Oh, you're just going to waste sitting there. Come on. Oh, please, I, I'd rather not. No, I ain't the kind of a man who takes no for an answer, especially from a pretty gal. I told you I don't want to dance with you. It's on my arm, please. Oh, what's going on here? What's the matter, Harry? Oh, Lord. I was waiting for you. And I just happened by and asked her for a dance, that's all. And left finger marks all over her arm. Looks like you asked pretty rough. Ain't no harm done. You gonna get hard about it? Take these pop bottles, Harry. No, don't. I said take them. Now, you want to repeat that question? Uh, place is probably full of friends of yours. I don't know anybody around here. I, I just happened in. Why don't you just happen out? Before you get in trouble. Go ahead, beat it. All right. Maybe I'll meet you alone sometime. Any time you want to try. No, please. Let him go. I'm all right. Well, there seems to be somebody like that, wandering in where people haven't seen. Forget about him. He went out. Drink your pot. Look at you, honey. You're shaking. Not from here. There's a little chili in here now, that's all. Where's that little jacket you brought? I left it out in the car. I'll go fetch it for you. Ain't that cold, Moore? No, no, no. Just turn him blue or something. <laughs> all right. Would you mind getting the phone? Oh, I said I would, didn't I? Any more strangers ask you to dance, hit them with that pop bottle. <laughs> I'll be all right. Jack is in the back seat. All right, I'll find him. Who's here? Well, it's you, huh? What you doing hanging around these cars? Thought I told you to get lost. Better watch your tongue. You ain't surrounded by friends now. <laughs> yeah, I figured you'd follow me out. I didn't follow you out. I come out to get my wife's jacket. And as for friends, mister, I don't need any to hand the likes of you. Now, why don't you get while the kidding's good? Too bad your wife didn't come out to get her own jacket. Yeah, she's kind of cute. <laughs> Shut up. Right yeah, now. Yeah, but would have asked her to dance if she hadn't given me the eye. Why, you? 
Come on, get up. Get up and fight. Or get up and run. I'll fight. Or we'll fight my way with this stick. I might have known someone like you to carry a knife. You're going to know it. Just once more for good measure. Guess your wife ain't going to be so particular who she dances with from now on. Rogers failed to return to the dance. His wife came out to look for him. Her screams as she found the body brought dancers streaming from the hall. Somebody summoned the sheriff, and he in turn called for the help of a Texas ranger. Ranger Jace Pearson was assigned. He arrived at the parking lot outside the fun spot shortly after midnight. Howdy, Sheriff. Well, howdy, Jace. I'm glad you were close by. Here's the body. Radio was buzzing with calls as I drove in. KTXA's ordering roadblocks set up on every highway near here for 100 miles. Yeah, I know. I phoned in a description of a stranger who was at the dance tonight. Yeah, I heard it. Let's hope they can pick him up. Well, they'd have got him sure if I'd had the description earlier, but it took almost an hour to get Miss Rogers so she could talk. Is she the dead man's wife? Yeah. Saw the whole thing then, huh? No. No, she was inside when it happened. Come out and found the body. Well, then why the pickup for the stranger in particular? Rogers have trouble with him? Just words. Nothing anybody saw. It tried to force Ms. Rogers to dance with him, the way she tells it. Rogers come along, saw what was going on, and ordered the fella out. Whole thing happened less than two hours ago. Well, killer can't be too far away, then. Yeah, far enough. Yeah, but if the roadblocks don't pick him up, we'll know he's either living or hiding within a two-hour ride from here. Could be a hundred yards away or a hundred miles away. Mm. Even then, he might not be the one. Over 60 couple at the dance tonight. Any one of them could have stepped outside... I haven't let a car pull out since I got here. Good. You shake everybody down? Yeah, didn't find anything on anybody, though. Deputy has two knives and a gun that were ditched under benches when he started searching. Knives clean? As far as I could tell. We'll send them through to Austin to make sure. If there's any blood left on one of them, the lab will find it. Yeah. We're not going to have to wait for that, though. Not if the killer's still around. Why? This wound on Roger's throat cut the juggler. See how the blood spurted out. Killer couldn't miss getting some of that blood on his clothes. You check for that on the shakedown? Well, just their hands, Jace. You better line them up again inside. Blood's had time to dry. Killer may have had a chance to try and wash it out, but we'll have to check every suspicious-looking stain. Well, I got the names and addresses of everybody in the place. Good. You can use that as a checklist. Make sure nobody's taken a run out since you got here. Deputy's been stationed all around. All doors have been locked, except this one leading out to the parking lot. I had to let folks out here because... Some of them have got babies sleeping in their cars. Yeah, I understand. Well, let's get them in. Right. All right, inside again, folks. Everybody inside. Joe, Charlie Higgins, don't let any stragglers hang back. Keep them moving. Hey, you better send one of your deputies into town. Dig up some clothes from the jail or someplace. If you find any suspicious stains, a few of these people mightn't have anything to wear home. list checked out 100%. Nobody'd run. A couple of cop folks had stains on their shirts and jeans. We took their clothes and sent them through to Austin for analysis. Next morning, I got my report. 
a long-distance call from my chief, Captain Stinson. Austin Lab just finished with the stuff you sent through, Jace. Both knives were clean. I see. How about the clothing, Captain? Well, there was human blood in one of the shirts. A small stain. According to your report, the cowpoke you got it from said he'd cut himself and got a little blood on it. Lab says the blood stain is type O. Type O, huh? That's right. He's not our boy, then. Medical examiner did an autopsy on Rogers during the night. Rogers' blood was A.B. Everything keeps pointing to the stranger who got away. Do you think Mrs. Rogers gave a good description? I think so. She gave me the same rundown she gave the sheriff. Claims she'll never forget what he looked like. Do you think she'd recognize a photo of him if she saw it? I'm sure she would. Good. The boys at Austin are going through the gallery pulling shots of all known criminals who fit that description. Especially the ones who are too free with a knife. I'll bring the photos down myself. Let Mrs. Rogers go over them. While I'm waiting, I think I'll have a look through the ranch area around here. All we know about the man we're after is that he got away. We don't know whether he was in a car or on foot or mounted. A few cowpokes did come into the dance on horses. I see. fellow we're looking for might be a new hand just drifted into the territory. I got charcoal in my horse trailer. Sheriff's getting his mount. You'll keep us busy until you get here, unless you have another idea. No, Jace, you go ahead. I'll see you tonight. Right. Bye, Captain. Bye, Jace. Ready, Sheriff? If you are, my mount's all saddled. Now get charcoal out of the trailer. Let's go. We rode from ranch to ranch, taking shortcuts through the gullies and arroyos working through the good grazing as well as the badlands, riding close to get a good look at cowpokes working the range wherever we spotted them. We're on Blue Baker's land now. Be able to see the ranch house when we reach the end of these trees. How many hands he got on the place? Three. They've been around for quite a spell, unless he took on a new one. Blue Baker. That seems to me his name was on the list of folks who were at the dance. Yeah, he was there with his wife. Well, then he was asked if he'd noticed the stranger... Asked everybody that. If anybody by that description was working for him, he'd spoke up. Well, I thought we might talk to his hands. Even if they weren't at the dance, they might have noticed a stranger around someplace. Possible. Worth a try. Yeah. Hey, there's Brubaker now climbing into this tractor there with the tool shed. Hey, Brubaker! He sees us. Howdy, Sheriff. Oh, boy. Oh, Chucky. Yeah. Howdy. Howdy. Glad to see you, Sheriff. Matter of fact, I've been thinking of phoning you. You got some information on the Rogers case? Well, no. It's something I guess I shouldn't even be bothering you with right now. Just wanted to put in a little complaint. What kind of complaint, Brubaker? Well, see, just before the dance last night, the missus and me did some shopping in town. Matter of fact, going to the dance was an afterthought. Just decided to drop in when we was driving home and pass the fun spot. Mm-hmm. Well, see, like I said, I hate to bother you about it, that a couple of things were stolen out of my pickup while we was at the dance. New bridle I'd bought in town and a new pair of wire clippers. Are you sure those things were taken while you were at the dance? Well, they couldn't have been taken anyplace else. They were the last things we bought before we went to the dance. Put them on the shelf behind the cab seat. Could be something to this, Jake. Sure could. Anybody stealing things from a car wouldn't be doing it while you and your deputies were all over the place. And we were there until after everybody had cleared out. Mm. Stuff must have been taken out of Brubaker's pickup before Rogers was killed. Say, as a matter of fact, Rogers might have surprised somebody going through the cars. I wouldn't rule out the stranger we're looking for. 
He left the dance hall before Rogers went outside. Bridal and wire clippers wouldn't be easy to trace. I wonder if he might have taken something else. Well, I haven't had any other complaints. People don't always complain. Thanks, Brubaker. Come on, Sheriff. Let's get back to town. Sure. So long. So long. Get up, Charlie. Come on. Now, let's go. You planning to check over that dance list again? We'll call every name on it. See if anything else was taken from that parking lot. Up, Charlie. Come on, boy. Let's go. In just a moment, we will continue with Tales of the Texas Rangers, starring Joel McRae as Ranger Chase Pearson. You are listening to WSHDLP Eastport. We continue now with Tales of the Texas Rangers and tonight's case, Square Dance, an authentic story from the files of the Texas Rangers. The sheriff and his deputies started a phone check of people who'd been at the dance, asking them to list missing articles. Meanwhile, Captain Stinson drove in with the gallery shots of possible suspects. We took them over to the funeral home to see if Mrs. Rogers could identify the stranger who'd quarreled with her husband. Captain showed them to her, one by one. Uh, how about this one, Mrs. Rogers? No. Well, this is the last one. No. That's not him either. Yes, that does it, Jace. The man we're after isn't a known criminal. Not in this state, anyhow. Can I... Can I go back to my husband now? I, I want to be near him until they have... <laughs> sure, ma'am. Go ahead. We, we wasn't even married a year. Next month... We'd have had our first anniversary. I might as well get back to the sheriff's office, Captain. Yeah. Young bride like that. A nice future the killer left her. We gotta get him. I'll stay on until hey, I... Hey, Captain! Oh, there's the sheriff now. Looks like we've hit something on that phone check, Jace. Deputy just got a call from Perny Richards. Not the old man, but... Perny Jr. Something missing from his car? Yeah. Ladies, Hamilton wristwatch. Perny bought it for his gal's birthday. Left it in the glove compartment of the car. Was fixing to surprise her with it today. Hey, that's going to help, Jace. Plenty. New purchase like that, the jeweler will have a record of the serial number on the watch. Killer might try to sell it or pawn it someplace. He might just give it to some gal. I don't think so. Man we're after doesn't sound like he'd have a gal of his own. Come on. Let's get a rundown on that watch. <laughs> got the serial number and put out a bulletin to jewelers and pawn shops, all the logical places where a man might dispose of a watch. Because it was Sunday, we had a break. The bulletins would be on file before the killer had a chance to unload. Meanwhile, Captain Stinson was in phone contact with Austin, digging up another angle. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I wanted. Well, thanks. No, not necessarily. Might mean anything, but it can't hurt us. I'll call you later if I need anything else. Right. Goodbye. I have anything? A little. I asked them to check open files, unsolved cases of petty theft, especially things taken from cars in dance hall parking lots. There must be plenty of cases like that. 
The same man wouldn't be responsible for all of them. No, but a couple of cases follow a pattern, Jase. I've written them down. Now, look here. Portable radio stolen from a car a week before last outside of Elderton. Roadhouse there was having a square dance. And here's a constable's report. Same night, same place. Man answering the description of our stranger got in a beef. He pulled a knife on a fella. Didn't get a chance to use it, though. And ran before the law could get there. Hey, that's good. Now, here's another one. Also a square dance. South of here at Pa's Crossing. Happened a month ago. Manager at the dance hall ordered some fella out for bothering a woman. Again, the same description. Fella went outside and threw a rock through a window and got away. Cars had been looted. That's our boy, all right. Yeah, but we still don't know who he is. Uh, something we do know, though. Look at this county map. He's been here in Bankerville, west of here in Elderton, and south of here at Parr's Crossing, all within a month. Yeah, that's right. Means he must be living in this area or hanging around at some place. And draw a circle around the three spots he's been seen at. Gives us a radius of about 40 miles in any direction. And that fits, because he wasn't picked up in the roadblocks. I don't know, Jase. He's been a stranger in all three places. And they're the only towns around here. Most of the area in the middle of your circle is hill country and badlands. There aren't many ranches he might be working on. No, but there's a lot of prospecting going on in those badlands, Captain. Big new kick. Not gold or silver anymore. Uranium. Hmm. Hey, not many people would see a prospector. Not unless he had a habit of wandering into some town on a Saturday night with a yen for square dancing. All right, Jase, I'll buy it. What's your move? Thought the sheriff and I might do a little prospecting, too. <laughs> Uranium? No. A man with a knife. The sheriff put in with me. Next morning, we loaded his horse into my trailer with charcoal and headed into the Badlands. The old settlement's up ahead. We can leave the car at Red Miller's store. I thought the settlement was deserted. Well, it was for a few years, but Miller opened up again because of this prospecting thing. Reckon they give him enough trade to keep going. It's either they buy from him or take a car trip every time they have to lay in supplies. I never thought of that. Miller may have seen a man. Possible. Coming into the settlement now. <laughs> Ghost town. Where's the store? Long Doby building just ahead. A lot of cars parked under a shed just behind it. I, I see it. Well, I hope he's got some soft drinks and a way of keeping them cold. This sun's a scorcher. Well, we'll be able to wet your whistle in a minute. Yeah, here we are. Yeah. Hardly think Miller could make a living here. Well, there's just him and his old lady. I reckon they don't need much to get by. Looks like we'll be his only customers. Anybody here? Oh, well, Lang. If it ain't Sheriff Gruner, howdy. Howdy, Miss Miller. Uh, this here is Ranger Jace Pearson. Howdy, ma'am. Uh, where's uh, Reb, Miss Miller? Oh, now, he's just plain gonna die because he missed you, Sheriff. But he drove up to Elton to see the dock. She's back again. Oh, that's too bad. But he'll be back for supper if you can stay. We might have to. Depends on whether or not you can help us. Somebody here can help us, all right. What is it, Jace? Take a look in this showcase. Well, I'll be. I'd 
called his attention to something that stood out like a sore thumb. The store was run down, its shelves barely stocked with necessities. But there before our eyes, in a dirty showcase with cracks running through the glass, was a brand new Hamilton wristwatch. Reb is stocking some mighty fancy merchandise, ain't he, Ms. Miller? Oh, you mean that watch? You want to buy it? All we want to know is where you got it. Well, Reb took it in trade from a fellow who run a bill here. What's his name? Why, Carp's his last name. Don't know his first one. That, uh, that watch ain't stolen, is it? We can tell you that in a minute. Get it out of the case, Sheriff. Right. You remember the serial number? Yeah, I got it written down in my book. Pry the back cover off. Fingernails won't do it. I'll have to find something. When did this car bring the watch in, ma'am? Well, yesterday, Sunday. Reb's always trusting people, you know. Car owed him more than twenty dollars. Instead of cash, you give Reb the watch and a pair of wire clippers. Wire clippers? You hear that, Sheriff? I sure did. I'll have this watch case open in a minute. Oh, I told Reb not to trust nobody. Reckon Carp wouldn't even trade here if he had cash. Couldn't give Reb no money. Oh, no, but when he come back yesterday, he had a new bridle for his horse. Reckon he had to pay cash for that someplace. You're reckoning wrong, Mrs. Miller. He got that bridle the same way he got the watch and wire clippers. Yeah, that does it. Here's the number, Jace. H-427-991. H-4279. That's it, all right. Pops our boy. Where is he? Well, he's out in the hills, I reckon. He saddled up and rode off after he brought our car back yesterday. He had your car? All Saturday night, Sheriff. You know Reb. He'll lend anything to anybody. That's why we ain't got nothing ourselves. Carp never even paid him for the gas he used up. Then he had the nerve to borrow his shirt and jeans while he used my tub to scrub out his old clothes. And what a scarce as it is. <laughs> Don't need two guesses what he was scrubbing for, Sheriff. You can say that again. Come on, Sheriff. Let's get the horses and move. Well, look here. Don't you want to know what he looks like? Thanks, ma'am. But that's something we already know. It was rough going through the Badlands, and the territory we had to cover was big. We met prospectors here and there, but not carp. At the end of our second day, the trail led to rocky ground, thinning out in spots and disappearing in others. We kept going until the sun dipped under the rim and darkness came fast. I can't see anything, Jace. If the tracks were heavier, we could keep going, but the ground's too hard. Can't pick up marks like that by flashlight. I know. Better find a campsite. Rustle some grub. You can do the eating. All I want is a place to rest my bones. We'll find a spot when we get on level ground. Up, Charlie. Come on. Come on, boy. Sheriff. Yeah? It's like somebody solved our camp problem for us. Over there at the right. Yeah, fire behind those rocks. Circle around. Cart, maybe. Could be. It's a cinch at somebody. Let's ride for it. Up, boy. Come on. Come on. Come on. You see the fire now, Jace. Man getting up. He can't see us yet. Here's us coming. Looks like a big fella. Carp is big. Mrs. Rogers said about 6'3". His horse is there, Jace. He's moving over toward it. He'll be able to see us in a minute. Drift away from me. Leave a little distance between us. All right. Get over, boy. That's good. Seems to be waiting. Yeah. Don't go all the way in mounted. Pull up and we'll walk to him. Whoa, whoa, oh, Chuck. Oh, oh, boy. Oh. All right. Keep the same distance. 
dead out there. We're looking for somebody. Who? I'll tell you in a minute. Keep your eyes open, Sheriff. Maybe you better tell me now. A fellow named Carp. Is that you? What do you want to see Carp about? It's kind of a personal matter. Unless you're Carp. He got behind his horse, Jason. You stay right where you are. Hold it, Sheriff. Ooh, ooh, Chuck. Ooh, ooh. Pull the rifle from his saddle holster. You first better get mounted and ride off. I don't like anybody sneaking around me at night. And I don't like getting mounted and riding away from a fire. Makes my back too good a target. See you? You look like a Texas Ranger. You got good eyes. And I'm a sheriff, Clark. So don't try anything funny. Put that rifle down and let's have a talk. What do you want? What do you want to see me about? I want to invite you to a square dance. You... Hit the dirt, Sheriff. He dropped down. Roll behind the fire, Jason. Can't see him. Can't see us either. Must be close behind that fire. Shoot into it. Chip sparks off that heavy log that's burning. Might be able to shower him with a big hot foot. I say when. Let go. That did it, Jason. He's up. Drop your gun, Carl. I did it. You hit him, Jason. There he is. And there's his gun on the ground. Gun stock split. That's what I hit, not him. Shock knocked him out. Well, just the same. He's out cold. And while he's laying here, I might just as well get these cuffs on his head. Look out, Sheriff! Shut your heart up! Drop that knife! Let it go! Oh, my heart! Thank you, Jace. He almost planted that in my ribs. Yeah, it's something he won't try again. Come on, Carp. Get up. Save your story for the jury, Carp. Maybe you can tell him how to be a big hit at a square dance. Come on, get moving. Randolph Carp was tried and convicted for the murder of rancher Mort Rogers. The final piece of evidence against Carp was a bloody fingerprint on the steering column of the car he had borrowed from storekeeper Reb Miller. It was Carp's right thumbprint, and the blood specimen matched the type of the slain man. Carp was sentenced to Huntsville Penitentiary for a term of 99 years. Here again is the star of our show, Joel McRae. A famous Texas ranger was once asked what he considered the most important quality in a ranger. Well, he pondered, I liken a good ranger to that broad-brimmed hat of mine hanging over there on that old steer horn. It's made of some sort of fabric that holds up and takes the toughest handling I've ever seen. Must be in the character of the material, I guess, because as old as that hat is, it's never showed a sign of going to pieces. I never did like hats or men that'll come unglued. Good night, folks. The Texas Rangers. Tonight's cast included Tony Barrett, Lou Krugman, Betty Moran, Harley Bear, Byron Kane, Joe Forte, and Jeanette Nolan. This story was transcribed and adapted by Joel Murcott, and the program was produced and directed by Stacy Keats. Hal Gibney speaking.
You are listening to WSHDLP Eastport. We've just heard a 1951 episode of Tales of the Texas Rangers, Square Dance. Now, stay tuned for a 1956 episode of America's most fabulous insurance investigator, Johnny Dollar. He is about to tackle the squared circle matter. From Hollywood, it's time now for... Johnny Dollar. Paul Kendrick, Johnny, over at Eastern Allied Casualty, remember? Oh, sure, Paul. How are you? Seen any good fights lately? Prize fights, that is? Yeah, the championship bout at the stadium over in Mulville last week. Were you there? No, I had to miss it. But it didn't miss me. Huh? The minute Georgie hit the canvas in that fourth round, it cost me 50 bucks. Johnny, do you remember Al Coronado? Are you kidding? I've watched that boy come up from the Golden Gloves. Well, he fought in one of the preliminary bouts. I know. I lost on him, too. 20 bucks. Come on over, will you? And I'll tell you why the company may lose 50,000 on him. Bob Bailey in the exciting adventures of the man with the action-packed expense account. America's fabulous freelance insurance investigator. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Expense account submitted by Special Investigator Johnny Dollar to Eastern Allied Casualty Insurance Company, 422 Spital Building, Hartford, Connecticut. Following is an account of expenses incurred during my investigation of the squared circle matter. Expense account item one, $1.10, cab from my apartment to the offices of Eastern Allied. When I got upstairs into his personal cubicle, I found Paul Kendrick pacing the floor. Sit down, Johnny. Uh, have a drink if you want one. No, no thanks. Hey, looks like you're the one who could use a drink. What are you worried about? Don't tell me you've been hitting the company till for big money to bet on the fights. Johnny, I'm worried about murder. Listen. I'm all ears. How long since you've seen Al Coronado fight? Oh, six months, a year maybe. But before that, when he was working all the local arenas, you and I were present every time he put on the gloves. So? We knew him when he had reflexes quick enough to... Well... Do you remember how he'd show off by picking a fly or mosquito out of the air, grabbing it between his fingers without even hurting it? Yeah, sure. He was no metal giant, not by a long shot, but he had the fastest eyes and hands I ever saw in a man. Right. But something has happened to him, something very wrong, and I think I know what it is. Listen. I'm listening. A few years ago, his manager, Ricky Malone, took out a $50,000 policy on him, annuity. So what? A lot of managers take out policies on their boys. And then get them killed? Look... Al is fighting again tomorrow night in a small town outside of Joplin. Joplin? Missouri? A little place just across the state line. Johnny, I want you to be there. You mean as a sort of bodyguard? I want you to see the fight, that's all. See Al Coronado fight. Yeah, but this murder crap... I'm having a copy of the policy made, and you can pick it up at the Joplin post office. General delivery. Now, Paul... I know, I know. I may be all wrong. This may only be a hunch without a single legitimate reason for suspicion. That's why I took a whole week to think it over before calling him. That's why I want somebody who knows Al as well as you and I do to... Look, will you go down there and see him? Well, I... We'll pay the freight. Pad your expense account, anything you like. Oh, now that's an attractive... But do it, Johnny. Will you? Item two, another dollar ten, back to my apartment to pack. Item three, $124 even. Plane fare and incidentals to Joplin. 
By your leave, Paul, the incidentals included a new sports shirt, loud enough to startle the whole state of Arizona, an extra pack of razor blades, and a new toothbrush. Also, item four, three bucks, flowers for the stewardess, who managed to find me an extra bottle of champagne. I arrived at Joplin shortly before noon, and after checking into a hotel, found that by some miracle, a copy of Al's policy was waiting for me at the post office. A quick glance at it brings up item five, four dollars and a quarter, phone call. What do you mean, holding out on you? I thought you said Ricky Malone took out the policy. He did, and pays all the premiums. But the beneficiary named is Frankie Fortina. Now, who's he? I don't know yet. Well, his address is in New York City. You better look him up, will you? I've been trying to. But the last time Fortina was at the address on the policy, it was a racetrack bookie joint. Oh, so that's why you're worried. That's one reason. Well, if you learn anything about him, let me know, will you? I'm staying at the Beverly Arms. Okay, Johnny. Johnny. Yeah? Call me again, will you? After the fight tonight? Sure. I was tired, so I had a big lunch. That's item six. Went up to my room and slept. I overslept. It was nearly nine o'clock when I woke up, so I grabbed a cab. That's item seven. and went out to the arena in the nearby town of Mount Elba. For five bucks and a mate, I managed to get a seat at ringside in time to catch the end of the last preliminary. The program told me Al was scheduled for the main event against some local boy named Rafe Cummings. I never heard of him, and I doubt if anybody outside of Tucson ever had. I understood why when he stepped into the ring. This kid looked like the rankest kind of amateur. Strong, sure, and in good condition, but clumsy. He almost tripped over his own size 15 feet. And it was no act to fool an opponent either. Al, when he came in, looked as good as ever. He gave me a quick glance of recognition, though I'm sure he knew nothing about me except possibly my name. At the opening bell, he came out fast. All the old speed and timing were there. Faint weave and flick out that light, but punishing left. Same old pattern, same old... Wait a minute. Those quick left jazz were only landing about one and four. As though he touched Cummings only when the clumsy ox happened to walk into him. But because of his speed, Al took nothing but a few light ones on the body. He kept his face well out of reach. Oh, yeah, his timing was perfect, but his aim was terrible. Every time he shot out his fist, he was three, four inches wide. Then a funny thing happened. At the end of the round, when Al went back to his corner, and remember, Rafe had only tapped him a few times on the body. When he went back to his corner and started to sit down, he almost missed the stool. Would have if one of the seconds hadn't aimed it under him. Funny. The second round got underway the same as the first. Al was all speed, dodging, weaving, keeping his face out of the way. But again, he wasn't hitting his mark. And then it happened. He missed Cummings wide, then practically ran into his glove, catching it hard in the cheek, and down he went. Why, there wasn't enough steam behind Cummings' glove to hurt it. But Al took the count. He'd been hurt by that tap on the face. Then another thing. The second he was counted out, his handlers practically hauled him out of the ring and back to his dressing room. And believe me, Al looked terrible. His eyes had a strange, almost faraway look, as though that little smack had knocked his brains loose, had... My seat was on the far side of the ring, but I elbowed my way through the crowd and back to the row of dressing rooms in a hallway built on the one end of the building. Al. Al Coronado. I told you on the way up the aisle, Doc, we don't need you. The boy's all right. Go on, Doc. Beat it. You hear me, Doc? Listen, this is Johnny Dollar. Huh? Old fan of Al's from Hartford. I want to see him. Some other time. No, no, right away. Come on, open up. 
I said some other time. Don't you understand? We're pulling out of this, Berg, and we ain't got time to stand around and talk. Now, look, buddy. Malone's the name. I'm Mel's manager, see? And when I say get out, I mean vamoose. Al, are you okay, boy? This is Johnny Dollar. Oh, no, you don't. Brother, that's where you're wrong. Hey, Al. Al. Good Lord, Al, what's the matter with you? Oh, uh, hello, hello, Johnny. Hey, Al, look at me. No, no, I mean straight at me. Here, Al. I'm, I'm all right, Johnny. You're in bad shape. You should never have fought tonight. Oh, that, that's all right. Where are your seconds, your trainer? Uh, Ricky, he don't, don't let nobody in after fight. Look, Al, can you get up off that table, stand up and walk? Oh, sure, sure, Johnny. Then come on, I'm taking you out of here to no, a doctor. No, Johnny. Easy, Al. No, look, look behind Al, you, Ricky. Please, he's up, he's got it. You bet I am, Dollar. Two of yours truly, Johnny Dollar, in just a moment. You are listening to WSHDLP Eastport. Now, Act Two of yours truly, Johnny Dollar, and the Squared Circle Matter. When I came to, the dressing room was dark and quiet. After carefully falling off the table where they'd left me, Groped my way to the light switch, stumbling incidentally over the remains of the chair Ricky Malone had used on me. It was well after midnight, so I left by the dressing room window. The second I reached my hotel room, I put through a long-distance call, hoping Paul Kendrick would be in home, in bed. He was. Yeah, hello. Johnny Dollar. And Paul, you're right. It'll be murder unless I can stop it. Hmm? Hey, you awake. Oh, you mean Al Coronado. What's happened, Johnny? Plenty, and listen, that boy is more than punch drunk. He's had a brain injury of some kind. I'll bet on it. That's what I was afraid of. The tap on the face that knocked him out tonight wasn't enough to hurt a kitten. But a good solid blow would probably kill him. That's why he kept protecting his face. But Ricky Malone is making him keep on? Who else? I just met the gentleman, by the way. Well, what'd he say? Did you question him? Before I could, he cracked me over the head with a chair. Where is he now? Oh, I don't know. What are you going to do? See if the police can track them down. Malone said something about leaving town right away. Well, keep after him. Did you read that policy carefully? You kidding? I haven't had time. It's an annuity. That much I saw. Beginning in three or four years, it'll pay Al a nice little income for the rest of his life, if he survives. But the beneficiary name... Yes, Frankie Fortina, who gets the full face value of the policy if Al dies. Johnny... Yeah? I got a rundown on Fortina. You said he was a bookie at one time. That was the least of his crimes. He has a record as long as your arm. As I see it, he owns Al Coronado. Then you're probably thinking what I am. Al hasn't been doing so well lately. He's taken a big drop in class. Isn't making the purses he used to. You know that? Yes. The ANBA keeps a complete record. So with this injury to his brain, the only way Fortina can clean up on him is by seeing him dead. That's right. Well, what about medical examinations before these fights? Ricky Malone could bribe his own mother, especially in some of the towns where Al has been fighting lately. That's yeah, possible, of course. Also... What you and I believe is wrong with Al is one of the hardest things in the world to detect. Yeah, yeah, I must admit he looked great when he entered the ring. Okay, Paul, one thing's in our favor. Neither Al nor Ricky Malone knows who I am, outside of being a fight fan. Just so Fortina doesn't learn different. Where is Fortina, by the way? I don't know. So, Johnny, whatever you do, be careful. (laughs) 
Expense account item 9370 for a couple of phone calls, some breakfast, and a taxi to police headquarters. I'll say this for the Joplin police. When they go into action, they really get things done. Within less than two hours, Sergeant Danny Ruskin dug up all the information I wanted. Well, that ties in with what Conroy found out at the airport. No, that does it, Herm. Thanks very much. Something? Well, I think it gives us the whole story, Johnny. Al and his manager, Ricky Malone, checked out of their hotel, the Rayberry, at 1 o'clock this morning. Just the two of them? Right. There was no third party by the name of 14 or anything else. Just the two of them. Uh, they caught the 140 plane for Oklahoma City. Oh. And there they bought tickets routing them to Monterey, Mexico. Mexico? How soon can I get a plane? Going down there, huh? I told you, I gotta save that guy's life. All right, look, in Monterey, look up Sergeant Romelia Garcia, Main Homicide Division. You mention my name, he'll give you anything you want. Good. Now, what about that plane? The deal on plane connections turned out to be bad. The best time I could make was by way of El Paso. That's item 10, $127, including incidentals. I finally pulled into Monterey shortly after 8 p.m. I parked my bag at the airport, taxied into town. Item 11, I went straight to main headquarters of the Policia. Sergeant Romilio Garcia was off duty. He had gone to the fights. Item 12, $4 American for a fast taxi ride to the Plaza del Fisticuffs, or whatever they call it. There for item 13, five bucks, I had the sergeant paged over the PA system. After two or three minutes, a short, stocky, important-looking figure in police uniform stood up to the door. Senor Johnny Dollar? Yeah, that's right, Sergeant. How are you? You Americanos. Now, what is so important I must leave the excellent fights to talk with you, huh? The possible murder of an American fighter right here in your own ring. So what is that to be excited about? Something that happens all the time. It's because the Mexican fighter is more better than the Americano fighter. So if that is all that is bothering Incidentally, you... Sergeant Danny Ruskin of the Joplin Sergeant Police. Sergeant Danny! Why do you not say so at the beginning? Well, you didn't give me much of a chance. <laughs> How is it, my good friend, Sergeant Danny? Boys, it's too long I have seen here. Yeah, well, look... Excellent man, Sergeant Danny. When I have trouble with one of our Mexican nationals who escape across the border and go all the way to Missouri, Joplin, it's Sergeant Danny who... But, but you have a problem, eh? Yeah. A fighter name of Al Coronado. Coronado. Oh, but of course, tomorrow night he is fighting here, and he will lose. Why do you say that? Come, look. Here on the, what do you call, uh, a billboard, a picture of the man he is to fight. So, El Toro Negro. That sounds more like the name of a bull than a... Holy... See, big man, is he not? Is this picture real? 240 pounds, senor. But Al Coronado only weighs in at 181. See, El Toro, big man. And senor Dollar, he is a killer, our best. Three men he's knocked out of the ring. But nobody hurts him, so no wonder you worried. Sergeant, unless you and I can stop it, that won't be a fight tomorrow night. It'll be a premeditated, cold-blooded killing. Oh, how so? I showed Garcia my credentials, then told him what I knew and what I suspected. But until we have proof of this, senor, to start what you call an international situation, you are not now in your own country, you know. Still, he agreed to cooperate. First thing, of course, was to locate Al and his manager. In this city of nearly 200,000, that could be pretty rough. But he said he'd try. He drove me by the airport to pick up my bag, then to a hotel. And there, as the bellhop unlocked the door of my room, I got a real break. The next door down the hall opened. Hey, kid, uh, how'd you like to bring me up a glass of warm milk, huh? Al! Al Coronado! Huh? 
Oh, oh, hi. Here, boy. Just put in my bags inside and leave the door open. Gracias, senor. Hey, Al. Are you alone? Oh, sure. Hey. hey. You're Johnny, ain't you? Yeah, that's right, Johnny. And I want to talk to you. I used to see your inside all the time up in Hartford, huh? You saw me in Joplin, too. Only you don't remember. Where's Ricky Malone, your manager? Oh, he said he had to go meet somebody. He's always going out. Look, Al, I'm an insurance investigator. Oh? Oh, I got some insurance. Yeah. One more fight and somebody's going to collect it. Oh, no, Johnny. That's my retiring money. The only one who'll retire on it is Frankie Fortina. Hey, Frankie, he's my owner. You know him? Hey, who takes all the aspirin around here? Me. I get a lot of headaches all the time. Maybe that's why I ain't been hitting so good lately. Yeah. Here, catch this bottle. Hey, now... Ah, uh, now look what you did. No, no, Al. You look what you did. You missed that bottle by three inches. For the same reason you haven't been hitting well, why you have these headaches. All right, I'll give it to you straight. You've had a brain injury, Al. One good wallop on that head will kill you. And that's just what Ricky and Fortina want. Ah, uh, no. Ricky always says they keep my head protected, so you must be wrong. Am I? Well, Ricky's good to me. Why, you numbskull, he's trying to get you killed. I, you, Johnny, you're all wrong. You know the man you're up against tomorrow night? Well, I know his name. Well, he's the one scheduled to finish you off. Johnny, I, I don't believe that. Al, Al, listen, you gotta believe it. Now, where's the teller? Here. Uh, uh, who are you gonna call? Hello, this is an emergency. Get me Sergeant Romilio Garcia at Central Police Headquarters. Uh, cops? That's right, Al, and a doctor. Uh, no, look, Ricky says to stay away from doctors. All they do All is they can they... do is stop you from ever fighting again. And that would make you worth just $50,000 less to Frankie for... Sergeant Johnny Dollar, I found Al. Hotel room right next to mine, room 915. Bring a doctor, a brain specialist if you can, even if you have to drag him out of bed. Oh, look, we'll fight the international situation when we come to it. You get a doctor up here, you hear me? You hang up or I'll blow your head off. Well, Mr. Fortina, I believe. First, Kim Ricky. Sure, boss. He's clean. Huh? I hate to shoot an unarmed man, Dollar, but if you make one phony move... So you know who I am, huh? Well, Ricky here may be stupid in some ways, but he had sense enough to call me from Joplin after you broke in on him there. Finding out what you're up to wasn't difficult. Finding out what you're up to wasn't very tough either, Fortina. But it's all over. Not for me, Dollar. That's where you're wrong. That phone call I made was to the police. I know, to central headquarters. That's over three miles from here. By the time your sergeant finds a doctor and gets here, you'll be dead. And I will be gone. Have you forgotten that you have a boarded across you Fortina? You think I'm stupid? Frankie Fortina has never been here. He's never been even in Mexico. Because my tourist card reads Charles Edward Smith. And since the next plane leaves for the States in about 20 minutes, Ricky... Yeah, boss? I think Mr. Dollar had better have an accident. Fall out of the window, perhaps. Oh, now, wait a minute, what? boss. I mean, we'll... Listen to me, Malone. I had two reasons for coming down here. To see if you were right about Dollar and to make sure of that fight tomorrow. You've been stalling with Al. You've taken too long. The heat is on up north. I need the dough. I told you, boss, that El Toro will hey, do it tomorrow. Fellas, Shut up. Uh... And look, if you take care of Dollar, what about me? What? 
Maybe you can get back to the States, but me, with, with Dollar laying dead here, and, and if Al talks... Al won't talk. You won't either. Frankie. Dollar has given us a perfect setup. He came here to Al's room. You found him here, hmm? You had a fight. Dollar ends up in the street below. But what happens to me, Haven't then? I always taken care of you in the past when you were working for me? You know what will happen if you ever try to cross... No, no, All right, all right, all right. All right. I have contacts down here. I have plenty of them. I have lawyers, good ones. It's going to be self-defense, pure and simple. But what if Al talks? I told you before, Ricky. You've taken too long with hey, him. Frankie, listen. While I hold this gun, you're going to take care of Al, too. The way you should have a long, long time ago in his Frankie, fights. I, I don't no, understand. No, no, listen to me, Frankie. You listen. I You've been in it. this whole thing just as deep as I have. And deeper. Because you're the one who's kept Al fighting. You've paid off all those phony medicos. You set him up for this El Toro tomorrow night. <laughs> You'll do it, Ricky. No. Then I'll use the gun on all three of you. Frankie! You're out of your mind, Fortina. Am I? It'll still look like a fight between you and Ricky. Boss. Al just happened to get hit accidentally by the gun that will be found beside your body. Boss. Hmm? Boss, I'll do it. <laughs> You bet you will. I'll do anything you say if you'll just help me get out of it. Okay. Okay. Go ahead. Dollar is first. And, brother, if you think it's going to be it's easy... It's either the window or this gun, Dollar. So far as you're concerned, I don't care which. Go on, Ricky. Okay, Just remember, boss. your own life depends on it. You bet I... Boy, <laughs> dirty, will you? The window, Ricky. The window, I said... Remember, it's your own life, Ricky. All right, Fortina. So you have got a gun. Al. <laughs> uh, yeah, Johnny, I, I, I hit him. Uh. What on me? See, Senor Dollar, with one very fine, clean left hook. Well, Fortina was watching you and the uh, unfortunate Ricky. Yeah. You got here a little late, Garcia. You see, but uh, tell me, senor, what makes you think this Al Coronado has lost his punch? Expense account item 13, $100. Legal expense, mainly a deposition for a lawyer to take to court. Just now, Garcia got me out of having to stay in Monterey for a hearing. I will never know, but he did. As for Al Coronado, I suggest the company make some adjustment in his policy that'll permit paying his annuities immediately. And why not? The company should have investigated more thoroughly before issuing this policy anyway. And if it doesn't show a little heart, but I'm sure it will. Item 14, 24.50. Hotel and incidentals and transportation back to Hartford. Expense account total, 491.20. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. truly, Johnny Dollar. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar, starring Bob Bailey, originates in Hollywood. It is produced and directed by Jack Johnstone, who also wrote tonight's story. Heard in our cast were Harry Bartell, Herb Ellis, Victor Perrin, Jack Crucian, Les Tremaine, and Lawrence Dobkin. Musical supervision is by Amerigo Marino. Dan Coverly speaking.
are listening to WSHDLP Eastport. You just heard a 1956 episode of Johnny Dollar, entitled The Squared Circle Matter. And we didn't quite get enough old Dan Tucker, so here is Jack Hawes and his ensemble.
de Patineur. That was Tommy Duchesne, they say Chevalier de Folklore. And before that, Jack Dawes gave us some more old Dan Tucker. Thank you, dear friends. This concludes today's show. On behalf of around the world's staff of researchers, recording engineers, interns, and Victrola technicians, this is Cracklin' Jane. Thank you, and see you next week. Joe Loudon, a.k.a. The Bass Lady, inviting you to join me every Wednesday from 3 to 4.30 p.m. for The Bass Lady Presents, with a different weekly theme from jazz to Celtic, from Newgrass to New Orleans, it's always a mix of great music. That's every Wednesday from 3 to 4.30, with a repeat airing on Saturdays from 4 to 5.30 p.m., right here on 93.3 FM, W-S-H-D-L-P, Eastport, Maine. I'm all about that bass. Hey, have I got a radio show for you. Old Coasting comes at you twice a week. Thursday at 8, Sunday at 4. Right here on W-S-H-D-L-P in Eastport, Maine, 93.3 FM. On Bold Coasting, we don't just play the music. Uh, we like to talk about it a little bit, too. It's music and commentary. It's a radio show with liner notes. You kids can ask your parents what that means. Mad Pad. Mad Pad. Tune in every Saturday night at 7 and again on Tuesdays at 8 for Philly Joe Remarkable's Mad Pad right here on WSHDLP Eastport, Maine, 93.3 on your FM dial. Man, take this crazy pad. Man, it's a mad pad. Listening to WSHDLP Eastport, broadcasting from the hallowed hallways of Shed High School. Tune in Mondays 4 to 6 p.m. for Around the World with your host, Cracklin Jane, featuring historical 78 RPM recordings from around the world, plus radio dramas from the golden age of radio. If you missed the show, don't despair. There's a repeat broadcast on Fridays, 6 to 8 p.m., and if you miss that, just go to www.cracklinjane.com and download or stream the show at your leisure. Come on by Sam's Caffeine Cafe every Tuesday and Thursday morning from 8 until 10 a.m. I'm Sam, the proprietor. I keep all the tables clean. There are no sesame seeds on the floor, no schmutz from the night before, just good music. The first hour, a little bit softer, some Americana, folk, blues, a little bit of jazz, but by 9 o'clock, we are amped up on caffeine. We're playing up-tempo music all hour long. 
a grab bag. It's a fun place to hang out, and we would love to have you. We would. Please come by 93.3 WSHDLP Eastport.